The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out who and what is going on in this cinematic multiverse. My name is Annie Vincent, and with me always is Tyler Borland. That's right, my name is Tyler Borland, and this week we discuss stylized horror comedy that embraces the technology of its age. Yes, this week we are talking about three of director Sam Raimi's films as we prepare for his entry into the MCU. Are they Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Man 3? No, because we already did that, and you can catch that in our archives. What films are we covering this week? Uh, we are covering Drag Me to Hell, Dark Man, and Evil Dead 2. And I will explain why we selected these ones after I introduce our guest for today, which is Sarah Knopf. Woo-hoo, Sarah, welcome back woo, woo, to the woo. podcast. This is round three, correct? Uh, yes. Not counting the green room. This is round three. Nice. This is a you, you, last time you were on. You were here for Sam Raimi, yes. And the time before that, you were on for one of our director episodes too. So just kind of like the love child of your past two episodes you were on. If you think about it, um, okay. <laughs> well, I think you're the only one thinking that. But <laughs> so um, we picked these. Oh, you know what? We'll, we'll explain why we picked these three after we do Sarah's intro questions. Uh, we don't need to go into that now. Why we picked the Sam Raimi movies we did. Um, so, Sarah, first we have a question from last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, our guest last week, Jay Salahi, knew we were doing an episode on Sam Raimi. So he had a question for you, which is, if you had to see Sam Raimi tackle any type of intellectual property that, like, you know, like any property that already exists, what would it be and why? Um, I would have to say there's a distinction. So I would say the Phantom of the Opera, but not Andrew Lloyd Webber. I would say just the original book. Um mm. Especially after watching Dark Man, I think that that was. I think Dark Man is probably as close as Sam Raimi is ever going to get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but very much that style, that kind of gothic, maybe a little goofy sort of style. I think he would do really well with it. Yeah, it's. A, I like that answer. That would be. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I'll say my answer, then I'll we'll, we'll let Tyler go. Mine was, and I thought this because I finished when I finished Evil Dead Two. I didn't know exactly what was going on. Uh, by the way, spoilers for all the movies we're talking this week. They're all at least 10 years old, so we've had time to watch them. Uh, but anyway, at the end of Evil Dead 2, I didn't know exactly where it was going on. And the first thing I thought when I saw Ash open his eyes and see those people in desert over him in weird armor, I was like, Sam Raimi should do a Mad Max movie. I would love to see Sam Raimi do something in the Mad Max universe. Uh, not necessarily... The thing that makes me iffy about saying that is, of course... I think Mad Max is very much George Miller's vision, and I like that just George Miller. But in this hypothetical world, uh, George Miller's directing the Furiosa movie, so uh, Sam Raimi can make the next mainline Mad Max movie while George Miller's working on Furiosa. So now, are you uh, are you pairing Sam Raimi and Tom Hardy back together? Uh, I mean, 
back. I mean, they've never worked together. But <laughs> no, they've not. They've not worked together. It was Topher Grace yet. Now yet. October Grace is Max. Not <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, oh, it'd be Mad Mac, and it's like it's like a horrible parody. <laughs> no, but I think Mad Max for Rainy would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, for me, I would want I would want Sam Raimi to do a uh, fully budgeted Starship Troopers, and I think that I think like there's just something about that. It's just straight pure sci-fi that I think would be awesome to to have Sam Raimi, um, yeah, work work with and. Uh, yeah, revi- revive it. Hashtag Starship Troopers revival. So, yeah. Hashtag Starship Troopers sweet. Yes. All right. So, Sarah, <laughs> what is our we our next? Uh, we are going to have guests on again yes. at some point. Do you have a question you'd like to ask? Them? Well, knowing what I know now about who your next guests are, um, my question is a little bit spicy. My question is, Ooh. what is your benchmark for a feminist? Marvel movie. Nice. That's a good question. Considering who our next guests are, wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. Uh, uh, hint to the audience is that the next thing we'll be prepping for after Doctor Strange and Moon Knight are over would probably be Miss Marvel because it's the next thing on the sky. Is it, did you say Marvel movie or MCU movie? Or I, I mean, just want to make sure that I type it. I guess upright. MCU. MCU. Oh, okay. And this would be a question that uh, me and Tyler will not answer <laughs> on the podcast. You could. <laughs> it's true. We could. We could. We'll I, see, well, see. we can say what now. it would not be, and it definitely would not be Black Widow because, <laughs> yeah, the ball has uh, dropped so, there. What, what would your answer be to this? What would your answer be? What would? What? Where would you? Because we know you don't really like MCU movies, but yeah. where would you say they finally would? I don't know, capture feminist. I don't know if that doesn't that doesn't sound quite right, but you know what I mean. Like well, yeah. a movie that you'd be like, yes, and, that is properly feminist. And and I do want to say, like, you can use like feel free to bring in characters too that mm-hmm. aren't necessarily in there yet. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna try to be brief. I'll say, I mean, obviously you need a female director, obviously, but you also need a female writer. Um I would say it's hard for me because I don't want to co- compare necessarily. For me, you know, maybe like the obvious answer that I would give is Wonder Woman. But I think beyond that, I think that um, Birds of Prey did a really good job of showing these like very realistic situations with women. And I think, um, you know, Marvel, you know, MCU movies are obviously not about the realistic, but having those like small moments, you know, having those moments of just you know, relatable moments, I would say, versus, you know, playing a No Doubt song during a fight scene, very feminist, um, you know, some, something that's, you know, a little bit more relatable to women kind of hearing their voices. And definitely, I mean, the bare minimum would be female writer, female director for me. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Good, good, good answer. I guess. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, all right, we're going to move on to our main topic, which is the films of Sam Raimi. But in this case, only three films because he has so many movies yeah. that yeah. you could have picked from. Uh, we picked these three because justification was Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness 
is being marketed like the previous film was as the first horror Marvel movie. <laughs> We've all collectively forgot that the first one was marketed that way, but we're doing it this time. Then, yeah, Raimi's bringing some horror into it, which he didn't get to do with Spider-Man. So with that in mind, we picked Drag Me to Hell, which is his most recent horror movie. We picked Evil Dead 2, which is considered his first classic horror movie. Uh, probably his most well-regarded film, period. And we also picked Darkman, which is his first attempt at a superhero movie that is more horror-based than um, Spider-Man ever is. So that's why we picked the three. And we'll be going backwards in chronolo- chronological order and discussing them. Because Tyler only got around to watching Evil Dead 2, which, no shame, that's the best one of these. So, <laughs> um, so we'll start talking about 2009's Drag Me to Hell. Uh, Sarah, what yeah. did you think of Drag Me to Hell? Okay, so... Was it a feminist movie? Sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll talk about that a little bit. Because... Yeah. So I mentioned to you, I don't know if you saw um, when we were talking about it, but so Drag Me to Hell was originally going to be directed... Immediate, are going to be made immediately after Army of Darkness, which is the sequel to Evil Dead 2. So around like 1993-ish. And to me, it feels like... I'm I'm familiar with Raimi beyond just these films. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like an early Sam Raimi script to me. And what I find is really kind of interesting in a weird way is that I think that they took this time period of 2009 and they applied this, you know, like social issue to it um, where the protagonist has an eating disorder, but they don't mesh together at all. Like her having an eating disorder and that imagery and that, you know, allegory, it doesn't fit with the movie at all. I would agree a hundred percent because the fact is I honestly didn't remember this was the eating disorder <laughs> allegory horror movie I'd heard about years ago until I read the letter top letterbox review on it once I finished the movie literally right before we started recording this. And I was like, oh yeah, that is this movie. I guess I can kind of see it. Yeah. Um when did this come out? Oh, nine. Was 2009. Oh, 09. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was so gonna say oh right seven, three. but I think that was that was Spider Man three, three, so yeah. yeah. Um to me, this movie, uh thing is, it's funny to me. This is Sam Raimi's power to me as a director. I'm still probably going to give it like a 2.5 on Letterboxd because it literally, like, I thought the moments when, like, it's clear Sam Raimi's just having fun behind the camera made up for the rest of it to me. Like, one that really sticks out, like, I was laughing hysterically at was when she's just at work, she's doing something, it's right, right after she got cursed, and her nose just starts bleeding a little bit, and he's like, oh, do you need a tissue? <laughs> Well, what, what? well I was going to say, I watched the R-rated cut, and oh, okay. that scene... I watched PG-13 cut, which is the theatrical cut. The scene where her nose bleeds is a little bit more intense in the R-rated oh. cut. Well, well, no, no, it wasn't... It, it was, was, oh, it was for, oh, it wasn't her nose bleeding, though. It came out of her mouth. And then... Oh, when, yeah. And that scene for you? No, it, it was still a nose. It was, like, very clearly, like, a hose of, like, red water really? attached to the nose. And it just sprays all over, and he goes... Ew, did I get it in my mouth? That's See, the, the version the, that the I watch, it starts, it starts in her mouth, and she covers up her mouth, and then it mm. comes out of her nose. There's other things, too, that we can talk about, but I just... Well, that's the thing. That's something that I wanted to bring up, is that, like, this is a comedy. Like, this is very clearly yeah, a comedy. It's intentionally a comedy, 
but I don't think it was ever marketed that way. And I think that that's such a weird thing with, I mean, because Sam Raimi, like, Dark Man was a comedy, Evil Dead 2 is a comedy, like, they're all comedies. And I think it's so weird that this movie just, I don't know, to me, I've always heard, like, it's terror, it's it's scary, whatever, but it's obviously, like, it's not it's, scary at all. No, it's not, it's not scary at <laughs> but it's very <laughs> intentionally a comedy. Yeah, I liked seeing uh, Dalip Rao in this. He's in uh, Inception. <laughs> Side note, I, it was like the one actor in that. You know, okay, I'm also going to say this. I didn't think, and so you texted me about this, and I agree. It's basically a bad version of Malignant, which is, Tyler, I know you haven't seen it, but it's a, it's on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max listeners, you got to watch Malignant. It's yes. fantastic. I, I pictured Angelina Jolie in a... Which costume? That's Maleficent. That's Maleficent. Yes. <laughs> Malignant is. I can't even spoil it. You have well, that's to the see thing it too. Is Malignant wasn't. Gabriel, though. Malignant Gabriel wasn't marketed. Icon. Malignant wasn't marketed as a comedy either. And I think that's such a weird, like, like even you know, ten plus years later, movies are still not being marketed well, the way they're supposed to. I think in the case of Malignant, it makes a bit more sense, though, not to market it as that way. Because Malignant comes from James Wan, who really doesn't make comedies. Right. So, trying to, and especially since, you know, initially it was not planned to come out during a pandemic. Uh, initially, probably the plan was for marketing is like, let's just pretend it's a Conjuring movie. Get people on <laughs> opening weekend and make our money back then. And then, <laughs> we'll, after that, and then when people stop coming, because they're like, what was that? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have any issue. Um. But enough about Malignant. Um, I think also the, the key difference in... I don't think either of them really have strong lead actors. But I think the lead actor in this thinks, again, she's in a serious horror movie. I don't think... like I, I just found the performance like so uncharismatic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this was actually like her last lead role. That actress, Alison Lohman. Um, so I guess... She wasn't that good. Well, that's... You know who else in this movie... <laughs> Yeah, kind yeah. of faded into ex- obscurity is Justin Long. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Justin Long is in it. And I was thinking, is he in Oz? Because I've seen Oz the Great and Powerful, which we're not covering this week, but I thought he was in Oz the Great and Powerful. And the only reason he was in it was because he was in this. I think I might be mixing him up with Zach Braff. So, yeah, well, Zach Braff two- is in it. Yeah, so it's probably okay, not. Okay, I'm mixing, I'm mixing them up because they, they have very similar vibes to me. <laughs> It's just to me the movie overall it feels like it feels like it was written, you know, in 1992, 1993, but it also has a very distinct 2009 flavor to it. I mean the CGI is very over the top. It's got Justin Long in it. Like it just feels like a product of its time but in both eras. The best part of this movie is the ending. The ending is good. Easily. Ending yeah, the good. ending I was really happy with. Because the reason I'll say that is, uh, I feel like one of my pet peeves in most horror movies is when, you know, you've been with this protagonist all the way and they've really worked hard and, you know, they paid, like, they've, they've done it. They stopped the bad guy. Well, whoops, Freddy Krueger's still there and they're still going to die. I hate when that happens. However, in this movie, I hated the main character pretty much throughout the whole thing. So when this happened at the end and she was like, oh, no. <laughs> that she died i was like great it's such like, a contrived to ending to too just like how it <laughs> happens it's just so goofy yeah because well, we should probably describe this to tyler so and the listeners is uh what happens is the curse is held in this button from her coat 
And at the very end of the movie, which is also really funny to me, is that this plan that they have to just... So she has to get rid of the button as a gift. And she feels morally bad about giving it to pretty much any living person, which she should. Uh, so she goes to the bot... The, she's like, wait, can I give it to a dead person? Because the soul still resides there. And the medium's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, And as soon as they said that, I was like, okay, why didn't this come up an hour ago in the movie? <laughs> like, this would have solved things so much quicker. But on the way there, uh, he does a very... Uh, break check when they're driving with her boyfriend. And she drops the envelope with the button on the ground. And she picks up the envelope. And the whole third act happens. She gets rid of it. And then at the end, they're about to go on a weekend trip with her boyfriend to uh, wherever. To a cabin in the go- woods. In the woods, yeah. And he, yeah, to a cabin in the woods. And he just goes, and she bought a new coat because, you know, the other one she has bad memories about, right? She bought a new coat. And, she, and he's like, oh, you got a new coat. And she's like, yeah, do you like it? He just goes, it's kind of a bummer. I found this button in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want well, to give it back to you. Thing I think was, took... <laughs> the thing that was in the envelope that she gave to the dead woman it was, was at the beginning the of the movie. Yes. She gives him a coin and he puts it in an envelope. And it just doesn't come <laughs> up until that moment. <laughs> it's, but it's great. It's so funny. It's a good ending. As soon as, she, as soon as it happens, she just screams, falls in front of train tracks and gets dragged to hell. And that's the end. It's, it's like, a good great. ending. My goodness. So I will say, so aside from the nosebleed part, um, there's two other moments that are very distinctly R-rated. So at one point in the movie, she she's told that she needs to do an animal sacrifice, and she has she has a kitten. And uh, in the version I watched, I got up close and personal with that. (laughs) <laughs> they oh, showed yeah, it, it cuts away. Um, it cuts away they the, show her like killing one. the kitten in the r-rated one um oh. and then, one of the best jokes in the movie is when um later on they're doing the seance and the demon just goes do you think your cat was enough for me and it just vomits the cat back on her <laughs> and then the, um, anyway. the last moment was there's the part where the lady is she like puts her fist in her mouth Oh, yeah. um, and she crushes the lady's head, and the R-rated version is a lot more visceral. It's a really, mm. it's a gross movie. Like it's gross. It's just unpleasant. <laughs> well, that's the same, right? Not unpleasant, but gross is like I'd say all three yeah. of these movies are gross. But this one is like especially gross. I remember the marketing for this one, and it's like <clears throat> I can still hear the the end of the preview in my head with them like announcing the title and they're like, drag me to hell. And yeah. So the, yeah, the (laughs) right to PG 13, (laughs) but Uh, yeah. 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 So Um, she has an eating disorder because of the demon or no, she she had had one before and then the demon came along and well, just, like takes advantage of that or there's kind of a running gag, I would say, no pun intended, where things just end up in her mouth throughout the movie, just substances and just vile things end up in her mouth. And it's it's such a poorly constructed, like 
metaphor, I would say, because it doesn't, because it wasn't in the original script, I don't think, because it's so inconsequential, but it just, it's like, there's a picture of her when she's younger and she's fat. There's like a line where somebody's like, you used to be fat, didn't you? Um, and that's like pretty, and she like eats cake later and that's pretty much it. Like it's so inconsequential to the rest of it. Hmm. The, I mean, you, you saying that it's a film about like things just randomly end up in her mouth. That's venom. That's the premise of venom, right? So this was, this was venom before we got venom. Probably <laughs> knock, knock with the devil. In. Probably the same level of quality. I would say. Hey, Sam Raimi directed a better Venom movie than Drag Me to Hell. Did he? Did he now? You haven't seen Drag Me to Hell. Uh, all right, let's move on to Dark Man. Well, should I say my thing about Drag Me to Hell, or should I should I wait until the end? I don't know what the thing is. So just there's something about all of Sam Raimi. Oh, films. oh, you can say it at the end. I know. Okay, what you're sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll say it at the end because I think that makes a difference. Yeah. All right. So Dark Man. This was a. 19 movie that came out, a movie that came out in 1990. It's an original superhero air quotes movie. And let me tell you, the first thing I thought about this movie is that it includes it. It includes what I would define the first ever Raimi meme, uh, because it has the meme. Have you seen the? Have you guys seen? I'm gonna sound dumb if you haven't seen this meme, but I'm gonna probably post this episode on social media with this meme. It's uh, Liam Neeson going, "Why, why, why, why?" And I never knew it was from this movie. Until I saw it in this movie, and I was like, "Oh, that's the that's the gift, that's the meme." I'm about to send it to the Discord if you haven't seen it. I'm just but getting yeah, a whole bunch of taken memes. It's from <laughs> it's from Dark Man, but yeah, I just sent it to the our chat, and I'll I'll post it in this episode with that. But it's a meme, so it's a gif, uh, and I was really happy to see it. Highlight of the film. Well, that was at the very beginning, so that doesn't bode well for the rest of the film. Well, I think, again, I think both Evil Dead, I mean, excuse me, both Darkman and Drag Me to Hell are, the best aspect of them is definitely how Raimi directs and the Raimiism is within them. Uh, but I think Darkman has one clear asset over Drag Me to Hell, which is Liam Neeson. <laughs> I know. He's giving a very weird performance. Well, in that's this the movie. thing is, it's so bizarre, and it's like so. <laughs> so Liam Neeson plays his name is Peyton, which is already weird, and he <laughs> like biased against anyone So he plays. He's American in the movie, and I love when Liam Neeson has to do an accent in a movie because. He just, he just can't do it. <laughs> you you should see uh, the. Like the the film Les Miserables, it's like oh, yeah. it's like yeah. the nineties. Yes, where he is uh, Jean, Jean Valjean. Jean. Yes, yeah. It's a uh, it's a time, but <laughs> there's just his performance is weird. He's very committed. I will give yes. him that. <laughs> yes, there's a part. This is a part that was most distinct to me. Is there's a part where he runs away from Francis McDormand, who is his girlfriend. And he's literally sobbing the whole time. <laughs> he's so upset. And he just like, it's just these moments where it's like, I never. Wait, are you about the moment in the carnival? Oh. The carnival scene is the best scene. Well, right movie. afterwards when he runs away from her and she's like watching him and he's like. <laughs> it's just so like, it's so uncomfortable. Like he's such, a, he's not a hero in this movie. <laughs> 
he's terrible, but that's what I, mean. I enjoyed it. Like it's such a it's a wacky performance for a wacky character, which is why I think like it's actually like like I can't can't hate on Liam Neeson in this movie. I like, said when I when I first started watching, well, even before I watched it, I was like, I feel like this movie is going to give me Roger Rabbit vibes, and it definitely mm. did. It felt like Roger Rabbit to me. It feels definitely like um. It feels, and I'm pretty sure it is. It's like a love letter. It's those type of comics that you know are like the shadow or the spirit and stuff like that, um, where the bad guys are gangsters and the hero is just some vigilante who's insane. Well, uh, I will say so. Sam Raimi actually originally he wanted to make a Batman movie, and he didn't mm, get the rights. Mm. So this was kind of his Batman movie. I would he say got Danny Elfman for it too. Well, wow. <laughs> really. <laughs> Wow. Okay. He was solid score. He was, it is, he was just, just bringing everyone out. <laughs> it is a good score. It feels like he kind of used his leftovers from the previous yeah, a year. Bit. Mm. But it's well utilized. Uh, I also think, uh, I mentioned this briefly, I think this movie has a little, little bit of a racism problem. Oh, God. <laughs> just a little bit of casual racism in it. Yeah. Particularly the opening scene where we have our one black character be another mobster. Who speaks in like clearly written out dialect that and then he like gets killed immediately. But then the thing that stood out to me more was uh the lab assistant in the movie, who is only ever referred to as the Asian. No, he has a name. Ex- I couldn't tell you his what? name, but he has a name. The only time I heard his name in the movie was when the bad guy's called Grab the Asian. And uh I think the, the important part of here where I'm pointing out the casual racism is so after he gets grabbed. I'm saying what happens after. He pretty much immediately like gets a bag over his head, threatened to be killed, and is killed. However, before he gets it on his head, he kung fu chops away someone. And the other person grabs him. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh... Okay, that's... Okay, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. A uh, little, little casual racism in there. I don't know if it's... Well, one might argue... That it's meant to be evocative of the racist comics of the past, but I would argue that it's not. Needed. Yeah, it doesn't do anything with it though. <laughs> yeah, it's just blatantly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I so this movie was a a hit at the box office, which I'm actually really surprised to hear, but it did. <laughs> yeah, I am too. It did really well, and this is so not trying to be shady, but the reason why experts think that it did so well is and as well as dick tracy which came out the same year oh yeah is because it was so similar to batman which Mm. reminds me of (laughs) a certain cinematic universe (laughs) it's almost like the more things change the more they stay the same yeah but Unfortunately, we don't get Sam Raimi making weird knockoffs <laughs> to MCU movies. <laughs> he just got well, official yet. ones. He has <laughs> He's, hey, Tom Cruise, I want to do a weird knockoff of Iron Man. <laughs> I'd be down to see Sam Raimi's Iron Man with Tom Cruise that came out in 2010. Like, <laughs> I think that would have been really fun. What else was I going to say? Oh, I wanted to go back to that carnival scene. Or even just in general, this has the rainy montage. This has the Spider-Man 1 montage in it mm-hmm. for Darkman when he's making his stuff. Um, pretty much he just recycled it in Spider-Man 1. Um, but that's pretty cool to see. But that carnival scene is incredible. And he's just quick zooms on Liam Neeson's face whenever he gets like a little mad. It's like... <laughs> it's pretty much exactly what 
Yeah. Maybe a fourth believe he's implying this movie. It's just, just to making weird grumbling. It's well, Irish accented rumbling because he yeah. can't be yeah. American. <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's just a strange movie, and I think the movie. I rec- I would recommend it. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I thought I I felt like it didn't have a first act. Like it was so quick to get into the action of, like you know him being Dark Man that it was just like, oh this happened and then this happened and then bam he's dead. Um, well, I think that's just kind of a thing with all these movies being 90-minute run times. Where, well, I think Driving to Hell had too long of a first act. But I don't think Evil Dead had too as much of a first act either. Well, Evil Dead, two, right Evil Dead 2 is a little bit interesting just because of... Just because the first, the first 10 minutes essentially are just a remake of the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that when we talk about Evil Dead 2. Um, although, do we have anything else to say about Dark Man? It's a weird movie. Well, we can I, transition. I don't like how big the third act goes. I don't like how big the third act goes. We can transition by talking about the big moment at the very end of the film. Yes. Did you want oh, I, I you mean, did you want to talk about it? <laughs> I mean, it's just a really great moment. Uh, we Dark Man uh, saves the day. Well, saves the, he kills all the monsters. Yeah, and then he tells he doesn't really save anyone. He, he just kills yeah, all the monsters. And he tells Francis McDormand to get away from him because he's, he's over. He's like, it. I'm too ugly, <laughs> too ugly, and too angry to be with you. And he, we get a nice little like monologue at the end. He's like, the what? I wish you could do an Irish accent, but imagine if you were an Irish version of the ones I love will always be the ones who pay. This isn't my gift. This is my curse. Who am I? <laughs> yeah, I was like, man. I was oh like, that gosh. is literally, <gasps> but. He's, well, the actual last line is it's like something along the lines of uh, you'll never know if I'm in the crowd or not because his actual powers like to just we never said that on the <laughs> his actual powers he has like a 3D printer that allows he just him makes to, masks uh, yeah yeah that allow him to basically they're like face off or Mission Impossible style masks where they completely ma- like change your voice and like how you stand and like your height but it works uh it's fine it's a comic book I don't care that like it's a comic book ish movie so we have. I, Danny, I mentioned this to you uh, before before that we technically did get Chameleon on oh, the yeah, big yeah. screen. This is, a, so, yeah, this is a Chameleon movie, basically. Yeah. Cody Smith, McPhee, it, Lost Jout, or whoever they it's, cast. It's in the spunk. It's in the spunk. Yeah. They should have brought back Liam Neeson. But, uh... <laughs> so his last thing is like, I could be anyone in the crowd, you never know. Then we get the shot of a man walking away, looking behind him very mysteriously, and it's Bruce Campbell. <laughs> the only time he's in this movie, well, he, just looks, he looks almost kind of confused that he's outside. He's just like, "What? Well, the what thing that, I the thing that makes me laugh because I realize this retrospectively is that so at the end of Evil Dead Two, which we'll talk about, it has a huge cliffhanger, and this was made in between Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, who in the audience was like, "Hey, why can't I get a sequel?" <laughs> How did Ash get here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now we will move on to discuss our main, main topic. Evil Dead 2. Tyler, what did you think of this movie? Because you haven't talked at all because you haven't watched these movies besides Evil Dead 2. Okay. So, effort, like, it's the more that I've sat with it, it's it's grown on me. And uh, this is the first of any of the Evil Deads that I've seen. And I've always thought that, like, the the poster art, the cut, like, the art for it was, I'm like, that looks really cool. That's, that's really, uh, yeah, just really cool. And uh, 
I did not realize that we would get that same type of art style actually like in the film. Um, and I thought that it was really cool. I surprisingly, I really dug it. And, um, and that's what I was talking about at the beginning uh, when I said we're going to talk about stylized horror comedy that embraces the technology of its age. Um, because I think that Raimi uses as much technological, like he goes as far as the technology will allow him for that time. And the budget. Yeah, and the budget. <laughs> but then he also, he finds a way to just up the ante even more. And it's, it's just that creativity, you know, um, He's like, okay, what? yeah, this is what I, this is what the Lego set says I can build. So I'm going to build that, and then now I'm going to modify it and move pieces around. He's a master builder. So. One of the coolest <laughs> shots of the movie to me is a visual effect that some people, like people who don't understand history, would be like today would watch and be like, that looks so cheap. But it's really like to me, it's just like such a technical marvel. It's like. Ash is fighting one of the monsters and the monster's clearly in stop motion. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly just overlaid him, but it does look like they're actually like hitting each other. Like, yeah. it's really like, whoa, like the amount of coordination in that, even though it's still like, you still know it's fake, but it's like, that's part of the charm of the whole movie. Yeah. It's like, it's so goofy and like gloriously. So yeah. Uh, and it's gross, but yeah. it's, it's good. Like, so my opinion <laughs> I don't know if this is controversial or not. I I'm not I'm not this is not being, you know, this is not not me joking, this is not be me being facetious or in any way. I believe that Evil Dead 2 is one of the greatest films of all time. I, I just I could buy it like <laughs> there's so many things that work so well. I mean, it's the the cinematography, the humor, the physical performance that Bruce Campbell gives. Like, it all just blends together so well. And it's still, like, scary. And it's still gross. And it has this mm-hmm. amazing, like, twist ending that is, like, kind of, like, just so unexpected. Especially, like, when you've seen the first one, it's so completely different. And all three of them are so completely different from each other. But two is just this perfect blend of, like, that wackiness and that horror. And it just... It's just so good. Like, it's such a good, it's a product of its time, but it's like nothing could perfect it. Like, you can't remake something like this because it's so well done for what the resources were. I, I think, I, I think that's why Sam Raimi fits so well with comic book movies is because he can capture that wacky, wacky, serious action horror, you know amalgamation that the comics are and it just it just is naturally in his uh directorial style uh danny what were you gonna say well you actually got me on a different track now i mean i was gonna say something about evil dead oh evil dead one but i think actually in a way to jump back a bit i think that nails why drag me to hell doesn't work because i think um the key to the spider-man movies to Evil Dead 2 and even to Darkman is the sincerity in its characters and its lead character. Uh, whereas in Drag Me to Hell, I never felt like she was remotely like sincere ever mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm. Uh, whereas 
you know, in all three of these movies, even Darkman, where he's like going insane, <laughs> he's like killing, like breaking someone's hand over a pink elephant. It still is like Liam Neeson's giving a very dedicated performance to it. Mm-hmm. And I always bought like that he was trying to be better. It's just that he was literally going insane. Uh, so, um, and then in this, of course, Bruce Campbell. Some of the other actors might be a little spotty here and there, but Bruce Campbell is constantly like, he's going crazy, but like, you, he's he's terrified of him going crazy. Like, he sells, like, when they grab, he has the necklace. Mm-hmm. And it could play so cheesy otherwise. And that's the thing also, I think, with Raimi, especially if, you know, when we talk about the Spider Man movies, uh, the cheesy moments, the moments could seem so cheesy out of context, but while you're watching it, it's always like, no, that makes sense. And like, it emotionally still hits. Even as something as silly as this, where it's like you have no real attachment to his girlfriend in this, right? But Bruce Campbell sells it to you mm-hmm. just by even this is like it's not even he's not even using his eyes in that scene, you know? It's just his how he's mm-hmm. using his face and his body. Well, and that's the thing, and it it's more so in in Army of Darkness, which obviously we didn't watch, but um, I'll see it someday. I really like people did too. Amazing, so, yeah. also, but yeah. not a, not as good as this one because it's more of an action, but. Like, Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell in this, like, he essentially plays two characters. He plays Ash, and then he plays Deadite Ash. And it's, like, hmm. that back and forth that he has to do. And this is something, like, that he does in, Evil, or in Army of Darkness. He plays the same thing in Ash versus Evil Dead, uh, which is a TV show. He does the same thing. Like, this sets up, like, this huge canon. And it's, like, um, I mean, we can talk. Have you seen Evil Dead 1, Danny? Yeah, I was I was gonna say I don't like it at all. Yeah, no, I <laughs> turned me off from watching yeah. Evil Dead Two until now. It's okay. I so watched it in college. <laughs> the thing about Evil Dead One is that it's not a comedy at all. It's very, very graphic and gory, and just it has great effects, but it's just difficult to get through because it's just it's it's Raimi the whole way through, like directing. Yeah, the mm-hmm. films, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. It just feels it's a very like freshman effort, and it's like Bruce Campbell is kind of bland in it. Like, there's not that like charisma that we get. It's just not fun to watch. And it's like one of those. Uh, it's like an like I don't like Friday the Thirteenth for the same reason. It's like all these characters just exist to be killed. Yeah. Thing. So I appreciate I appreciate it for what it is. I appreciate the the practical effects. Uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend Evil Dead 1 to anybody. I would say always yeah. skip to 2. And the thing about 2 is like, and I mentioned it before. I didn't listen and look at where I am. <laughs> the thing about 2 is like all of 1, it's essentially a remake of the first one. And all of 1 is like crammed into the first 10 minutes of 2. And then it becomes its own separate thing where we see Ash Williams as this character that become that became so iconic, like with comic books and you know crossovers and things like that. Like there's literally a Dead Man crossover where the the villain becomes a Deadite, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> so just like it's so interesting that you like the first one. It's like you're like this is this is it, and then you watch this one, and it's like well yeah, like this is iconic. This is everything, and it's just it's just is such a good way. It's almost like like Raimi has built his own cinematic universe or this, his own universe with this, just this, this one, you know, this, you know, trilogy of movies, but technically only two movies. Um, And it just became this big thing. And it became like, it launched Bruce Campbell into, you know, this, this cult actor and just fantastic all around, just round of applause. (laughs) yeah, uh, other thing I really like, I want to mention with Bruce Campbell's performance is that great sequence with the hand. Like, fantastic. Fantastic. It's so good. 
with the hand. Uh, and there's also like, I can't remember exactly because I watched this a couple of days ago, but there were definitely a few scenes where I was like, I don't even know how they did that. Like mm. technically speaking, uh, just so impressive work uh, all around. And then there's also just great gags. So it's like, I don't know if we're going to get the, be able to get there. What do you mean? It just shows the bridge yes. completely. Yes. In the <laughs> and it doesn't like, it's not afraid to be funny. Like I was showing, I was actually showing my boyfriend a scene earlier because he doesn't like scary movies at all. So I was like, just watch this one scene. And it was the scene where he's getting chased through the house and it's just a long take and it's literally like breaking down doors and like Bruce Campbell is like ah, the whole time and then it gets <laughs> but it's scary like that's meant to be scary and then it cuts or it ends up where he's hiding and the camera like in POV like looks around for him and I think that's such a clever way to be humorous in the scene it's really to me also so incre- impressive that this is like his third movie right it's his third one I think um, and you see the same like camera movements and the tricks of editing that define Sam Raimi, even all the way up to Oz, the great and powerful. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't really evolved much as he's perfected it. But even then back in what, 1988, is that when this is? 87? This was 87. And 87, it still like exists in this great work, this great movie. It's those, it's those low to the ground tracking shots. It's those, dramatic zooms it's those like those close-ups it just everything comes together so perfectly and you see that in spider-man and you see that in you know dark man you like see it happening and it's such a fantastic like director trademark and that's why i love Raimi so much i just think that he's perfected this very niche style of filmmaking and it's uniquely his i i really like the the balance between the horror and the comedy um, and there's one, there's one moment that really gets, uh, that it's, it's not necessarily f- like funny, haha comedy. Um, but it's, it's a little more lighthearted and, um, the, the, <laughs> I lose track of everyone, but Bruce Campbell, it's, <laughs> it's one of the, um, one of the women who show up later and she was the daughter of the archaeologist or who you know the historian um mm-hmm. that was living at that house and uh and she she goes on she's talking about like her parents and such and she's basically laying out the you know the plot the next plot point for us and it's it's kind of calm and it just sets this this tone for it. it's like oh well we're we're wired at this point to know that Raimi's going to give us something of a shock, a horror, and then we have a little bit of relief with the comedy, and then we're going to go right back with the horror. And he goes in with, we get a little confrontation, action, horror, and then just like a, I don't want to say a denouement, but it's just like a slow resolve. And then we, it's, it, it's, it's creepy when the, when the mother, um, peeks her head out from the cellar and she's singing the mockingbird song and that I was like okay that one I don't care what visual effects you have like that is just that it yeah it, it was terrifying I'm like mm-hmm. I would be freaked out if I was if I was hearing that but yeah it and it was just really 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 good in like 
looking back now, seeing what Raimi did with this, I can look back on like Spider-Man 2 on how he goes from one scene with Peter Parker just floundering about in New York City. And uh, and then the next scene, we've got Doc Ock completely subconscious. And the, you know, that that scene where uh, the claws are just pulling everyone, you know, tearing I apart the medical say, team. But I wanted to say, yeah. I know Tyler didn't see this, but in Darkman, there is a sequence that's very briefly happens in a hospital. I mean, it was like Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention, I don't know. I just, I, I, it's just one of those things where it's like when you want it, when you know a director and then you want to spot like every single one of their trademarks, the mom, the dead version of the mom was played by Ted Raimi. Uh, yeah, it is Ted. <laughs> and Ted he was Raimi. in Darkman too. He had, a, he had a bigger role in Darkman. I just love to like spot them and see like, well, and see, you know, and like obviously in Darkman, we were looking for Bruce Campbell uh, it's not hard to find. Not hard to find once you show yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what I wanted to bring up before because I feel like now is a good enough time. Yeah. So Bruce Campbell is in all of Sam Raimi's films. He's in all three Spider-Mans. He's confirmed to be in um, Doctor Strange. He was not. Mom. In, he's not in Drag Me to Hell, and I noticed <laughs> it. <laughs> it was a notable absence. I looked it up. I did I look why. up why, and it was yeah. because he was filming Burn Notice. Mm. Well, Burn Notice, honestly, and let's be real, Burn Notice has probably made him the most money his <laughs> syndication. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, he got such a good deal with Burn Notice because he wasn't the main guy. He wasn't having to like memorize all of the lines that... Um, I don't remember. I know the main character is Michael Weston. I don't remember the actor's name, but uh, my mom watched so much burn notice. I I actually have the first five seasons because I was really big on burn notice uh, back when it was like in its prime when it was on USA. Um, But uh, yeah, going back, Felicia and I actually started watching it uh, last fall, I think. And then Mm -hmm. we kind of stopped because uh, I think disney plus stuff or whatever with the podcast but uh Mm -hmm. but yeah so we had oh that's when we went into our deep dive with spider-man um spider-man yeah so uh so yeah we we were watching it and i was just like man i'm just enjoying all this bruce campbell that we get in this (laughs) and it's just he just gets to sit back he has what our alcoholic drinks in the show, probably not alcohol on, on set, but you know, he's just, he just gets to sit back and, and enjoy these witty lines. And yeah, it's time for me to again, appreciate my hope for what I want Bruce Campbell to play in the MCU, which is I want him to play. Cause we know it's multiverse of madness. There's going to be variants. I would like Bruce Campbell to be a variant of Mysterio. So that's who he was supposed to play in the Spider-Man movies. Mm. But the joke will be is that he is actually a heroic version of Mysterio from his planet that was destroyed. He's looking in the multiverse for help, but no one will believe him because of Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. Yes. <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I want Bruce Campbell's role to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't expect it to be that. I think it's more likely it's more something. Probably something that's more Sam Raimi really. I don't think it'll be related to Spider-Man or even to the multiverse. It'll be probably something that's just Doctor Strange runs into like at the grocery store or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> what if Bruce Campbell is Mephisto? 
I'll be honest. I don't think I don't think Bruce Campbell's signing up for a long call of the MCU. I think no. he's showing up for his his good his buddy Sam, and he'll yep. be leaving right afterwards. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say but, though. I would say he might be an end credits thing. I feel yeah, like he could be he's probably going to get pushed joke. to the end like, credits. Like a Howard the Duck. Like Guardians uh, can't thing that it, that they did. Yeah. What if he just reprises his role from Spider-Man movies? Which one? <laughs> yeah. All of them at once. Because <laughs> he's kind of three different. Uh, well, I, I don't know if he's three different people, but I mean... He was he was the announcer and he was the usher and who was he in three? He was the waiter. No, <laughs> not the waiter, but he was the um oh who do they it's the person at the restaurant the mate mate Oh the Mater D. D. Yeah. Mater D, yeah. I was like I was like I took a whole bunch of French in high school and college. <laughs> I should know what that's called. Uh, so I think that well covers Evil Dead 2. Uh this was a little shorter episode, but it's okay because we had Sarah on, and Sarah's good. So that makes it okay. Know. I, I don't actually see <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, Danny, what? <laughs> what? Uh, so the next thing we're supposed to do is what we're looking forward in Doctor Strange 2 in regards to the Raimi. I think we've said this before on this podcast multiple times, especially when we were covering Spider-Man movies. Uh, our main fear slash hope for, Spider- for Doctor Strange 2 is that Raimi gets to be Raimi. I think the last trailer was pretty promising in that regard in in regards to camera movements, in regards to the lighting, how it actually looks like a Sam Raimi movie. However, my thing I'll say here is to bring it back to my point about Drag Me to Hell versus the other two is I hope, I think Doctor Strange as a character has always had a little bit of an issue being the main character and being someone we want to root for. And I also feared that when... You know, this movie's also going to have Wanda in it, who has had nine episodes of TV for us to get to like her, whereas Doctor Strange is still a character that kind of is like, it's kind of like the stern friend who's kind of a jerk, but you kind of like him. I hope uh, Ben Cumberbatch and Strange turn out to be a decent Raimi protagonist. That's, that's what I'm thinking about in regards to having watched these movies. Because, you know, we've talked about the filmmaking so much. Yeah. Um, and the filmmaking only works if there's strong character at the center. That actually meshes with Raimi's style. Mm. Um, uh, I'm. I want at like after seeing the claymation stuff in Evil Dead Two, I think that would be really cool to get like some if we get elements of uh, zombies in Doctor Strange Two. I want to see some. I think there's some in the trailer, isn't there? there? It looks like there <laughs> are some uh, zombies in the trailer. And I'm, I'm hoping that we get like I don't know. It'd be it'd be cool to bounce into a universe that's all claymation and just let Raimi have this playground, you know. And he's, that's that's kind of land into Miles Morales' universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the frame rate just suddenly gets really slow. <laughs> but but yeah, so that's that's kind of just it's more of a more of a hopeful yeah thing. So. Sarah, what are you looking forward to in Doctor Strange 2? Um, well, I will not be seeing it, but uh, <laughs> I guess I will piggyback off of that, and I will say I hope that they do more practical effects. Um, I think that would be really cool. I think this is probably the movie to do it because, you know, it's 
Raimi and he's familiar with it. And it could be interesting to see what they can come up with, especially when he's known for his camera. Well, not him personally, but, you know, his movies have that certain style of camera work. Yeah. And I think it could be interesting to see how it meshes with the MCU. I thought you were going to say, gonna say, I'm looking forward to it being out. And realizing he likes making movies again and he starts making yeah i'm looking forward to the uh the revival of uh well well i will say that movie coming out this year there is not him but well yeah yeah, because um after ash versus evil day got canceled uh bruce campbell said that he was he was done so i guess that story's done for now you know what they always say done until they get a big paycheck Tobey Maguire said he never come back for Spider-Man and look at where we are now he came back he said I don't know where my web comes from besides my wrists wink wink good times I I hope I hope we get a practical effect of instead of CGI cape going to Doctor Strange's back it's just someone off camera throwing the cape cape onto his back (laughs) and they're like go I mean, what was the thing in Man of Steel? Someone once pointed out to me that there's a shot of Superman, or maybe it's not. It's one of them with a cape. I think it's Superman, where you can tell that the cape is actually being like practical and like yeah. being drawn forward because you can see like the exact like part where it's sticking up is mm-hmm. staying. They should do that with Doctor Strange's cape. <laughs> Make it practical. I'd be down for that. I also would say that the practical effect want also fits right in with Doctor Strange as a property. Um, compared to some other MCU stuff, like it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, Sarah. Yeah, we loved having you on again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for um, having me. Anything you want to talk about? Tell people about, <laughs> like, just in general, or anyway, <laughs> just <laughs> any <laughs> advice. <laughs> um, well, uh, I'm on another podcast with Danny called The Snub Club. Uh, where we talk about the Oscars, even though <laughs> I'm pretty sure at this point we all hate the Oscars. Um, it's funny, this episode's coming out the day uh, the Tuesday after the Oscars, yeah, so we'll so. see if you hate them even more. Well, we should have said, you should have said Academy Award winner Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that would have definitely not aged terribly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we have that podcast. Uh, it's on uh, all the same things as this one. Um, and... You can follow me on Letterboxd, just my name, Sarah Kanoff. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram um, at SGK29, E-S-S-G-E-K-Y-29. Um, you can follow my blog that I sometimes write on, um, <laughs> Sarah's Watch Recap.wordpress.com. Awesome. Very neat. All right. Now we have a few bits of business to get through. Dun-dun-dun. Sarah still has to be here for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're right. Due to the inherent busyness that arrives at the end of a semester, we'll be switching to a bi-weekly coverage of Moon Knight that it finally will come out on tomorrow at the time this episode comes out. Yeah. But we won't be covering it until after the second episode is out. Yeah. Uh, so we will not be here. We're not doing we're not doing a movie next week. We're not doing anything to fill the time. We're just taking the week off. Sorry. Yep. Running face. Yep. However, you know what else? Comes out two days from the Time's Up, so will come out. Uh, don't say the M word. Uh, Sarah, how about you say the M word? What is the big Marvel movie starring an actor we all definitely love on this podcast that opens in two days? 
So this was the plan. This was the plan to get your female guests to talk about. I'm talking about Matt Smith. I'm talking about. Matt. I'm talking about Jerry Harris. Okay. What do you, what do you think I'm talking? <laughs> There's a movie coming out. It's called Morbius. It's got Jared Leto in it. See it, I guess. Oh. It's probably gonna have like a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. No, don't don't see it. <laughs> we don't. Want, I wish Sony would move it again. <laughs> that's true we're gonna jinx they're gonna push it back in over four months <laughs> yep <laughs> um so we've decided considering our films of daniel espinosa episode how we all felt about the movie then, <laughs> the movies then uh we're not gonna say we're not doing a morbius episode however if you want us to do a morbius episode we're gonna do a, a drive to see if you are willing to pay for us to see it we need about fourteen dollars to pay for tickets. That's all we need. We get fourteen dollars paid to at Daniel Vincent nineteen on Venmo. We will cover Morbius on the podcast. And if you think about it, considering costs for editing and stuff, we'd still be paying a decent chunk of it. So, really, we just need you to pay fourteen dollars. It's a ransom. Let's <laughs> watch Morbius. It does Morbius. with the way you phrased it. It does sound like a ransom. <laughs> if you want coverage of Morbius, <laughs> well, and, uh, and here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If we get more than fourteen dollars, we'll pay you back some of the money. As in, as in, okay, let me rephrase. We're not going to take more than fourteen dollars total. But if say we got like <laughs> you act, like, you act, we're like, gonna we're gonna get back. We're gonna get back money. It's <laughs> the point. We're not gonna go over fourteen dollars. You you act like we, this is the deal. Don't pass this up. We will give you your money back <laughs> and a Morbius episode back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you right Hashtag now. Hashtag Morbius sweet. Hashtag eat beans in the Morbius feeder. Hashtag Ben to come match. Wow. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not getting any of my money. So. <laughs> uh, uh, we'd also like to thank Joshua for this episode. Yes, thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. All right. Join us back in two weeks when we'll talk about Moon Knight and we'll find out if we're covering more beast or not because I'll check my bin though. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, check out Sarah on all the spots she's at, including our podcast, but also her blog and her letterbox and everything. Yay! All right. Bye. Bye. That's Bye. a wrap. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.